So welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who is California waiting, and I have to remind him that every little thing's got to be all right while you're trying to save me, and he answers with, can I get back my lonely life? Here's my guest co-host from the left coast. Here's Jeff Johnson. Wow, that's a that's a mouthful for an introduction this time. Thanks for having me on again, Ben. Always a, always a pleasure. So I I, f- I figured I had to do the California waiting since you're in California. So and, and I'm waiting for <laughs> being able to go somewhere else besides our house. Um, so that's that's it's appropriate. So uh, it, I'm I'm glad to be the guy who who whose schedule fit your recording time today. That's what I'm glad to be. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Exactly. So for this episode, we have a special guest. So he plays guitar, bass, provides keyboards for the band Yumi Zuma. Their most recent record is called Truth or Consequences and has been getting considerable amount of spins on my turntable this past month. So please welcome to the podcast from Yumi Zuma, Charlie Ryder. Hi, Ben. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the pod today. So did I, did I pronounce the name of the band correctly? Yeah, I think so. Yumi Zuma. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Just I'm just making sure because I'm I'm known to slaughter a few names or two. <laughs> no, I mean I don't know how else you could pronounce it. Maybe maybe uh, you mean Zalman? <laughs> sure. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, the premise of her of, of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, we ask the all important question. I'm going to start with Jeff. So, Jeff, what T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, well, I'm wearing, I, I, I ordered a brand new couple of Pearl Jam t-shirts because I was supposed to go to their show tomorrow at the forum and that's not Ugh. happening. And so it's just a continuation of my morning live music. So I, I got a new Pearl Jam shirt uh, with the band uh, as stick figures and it has Pearl Jam in that EKG font from the new Gigaton album. Perfect. All right. Yeah. It's, it's actually a new favorite. I like it. Yeah. How about you, Charlie? What t-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a very old T-shirt of mine that I got when I was about 17, I think, which is a Chromatics T-shirt, and it's um, the 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 illustration from their fourth album, Night Drive, um, in silver foil on a black T-shirt with Chromatics written three times underneath, and it's probably my favorite T-shirt ever. All right. And that's been worn how many hundreds of yeah, times, probably? Several hundreds. <laughs> and to the extent <laughs> now where it's far too uh, small for me. I'm a, I'm a tall guy, and uh, you can see um, too much of my stomach and arms right now <laughs> in this T-shirt. <laughs> it's going to become I, a midriff? Yeah, exactly. It, uh, I wish... I, I wish height was the reason that I could no longer wear my t-shirts from when I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm right there with you, Jeff. I'm right there I, with you. I'm growing the other way at this point is what I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, that will happen to me soon with this lockdown as well. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Oh my goodness. My yeah. exercise is non-existent right now, apart from just playing guitar. <laughs> um, the only thing I've been doing is going out on a walk every day. Um, before everybody else is out. So it's the only thing keeping me sane, I think, right now. Um, I haven't told you what shirt I'm wearing. So I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing uh, a shirt from The Alarm. And um, I took zero thought into this. It was just the first black T-shirt in my closet. So I grabbed it this morning. So there you go. What or who are The Alarm? The Alarm. They are a, 
predominantly 80s band so they're from they're from the uk and uh i think they're from the uk right i'm not sure ireland ireland maybe i thought i knew i thought i knew until you started talking about it. i know <laughs> now 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 i'm i'm trying to remember somewhere in the uk like united kingdom we can call that like the that one place over there right <laughs> i guess so depends what one place is talking about Right. Maybe maybe the British Isles can help you. There you go. It's for British Isles. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll 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 go with that. Um their uh, their most popular song was a song called Strength. Uh they also had a song called Rain in the Summertime and um yeah, I saw them year before last and they're just fantastic. Uh Mike Peters is uh is a fantastic dude. So, 68 Guns is my favorite of theirs. I, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. All right. I'll, All right. I'll add it to my to-listen playlist. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, let me let me get the nerd thing out of the way first. Yep. So, what is the font that, that you guys used for the Truth or Consequence record? Is that is that your own kind of uh, font, or is there a specific font that uh, that that it's called? Because I think it's really cool. I, I'm really happy you asked that question. You're the first person to ask that, and that's the most <laughs> the thing I'm most proud about it, about this release. Um, so <laughs> it's um, it's sort of a custom font. Um, okay. The art direction for this album was handled uh first time by someone outside of a band um our friend lorenzo fanton who's a um designer in new york did all of the design for this record and everything else around the album campaign and he's a big um uh buff on typography and fonts and he used a font called romi r-o-m-i-e um that already existed, but then edited it um, to add in his own custom ligatures and um, just to give us a more unique um, look. And, yeah, I'm really happy with how it came out, and I think it really helps to give the album and all the other assets around it um, a unique and cohesive feel. I agree. I love it. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a beautiful font, and I think it uh, it captures. Again, I'm I'm the weird guy. That's why I said, let me get the nerd thing out of the way first, because that's like one of those aesthetic type of things. But um, um, now I mentioned that uh, you played guitar, bass, and keys for the band. Do you provide any of the male vocals, or is that just Josh who does all those parts? <laughs> I I probably provide about one section of male vocals per album um okay <laughs> on this album you can hear me briefly in the bridge of a song called your palms are a reference to hold to your heart and on the album beforehand i think i provided backup vocals for a couple of songs and then on their first album we okay. did i i took one bridge as well for one of the songs so i'm i'm very much a, a backing vocalist my talents do not lie within my vocal cords unfortunately <laughs> not not a problem so i think that that's part of the appeal for me with you guys is i look i'm a i'm an absolute sucker for harmony 
especially when it's a harmony of of both female and male vocals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just a sucker for that. So when you guys are are putting together songs, so let like for instance the song Right Track Wrong Man mm-hmm. where you have both vocals coming together but are like very distinct. What's what's the process of like putting a song like that together where I feel like there is like many, many parts. Mm. So it's been different from album to album, really. Like um, on our first EPs that we did before our first album, it was very much an online experience because we all lived in different countries. So we all emailed uh, session files to each other. Um, yeah. And all of the songs came together bit by bit. So someone would record one drum track, one bass line, one guitar track, one vocal part, etc., And then slowly the, the songs would come together. But on the last couple of records, we've been able to um, be together because we were on tour or doing promo or something like that. So we've been able to go into a studio together. And now we sort of do the same sort of thing where we write the songs part by part all together, but we're, we're in the studio all at once. And then once we have a, a vocal um, melody, a lead vocal melody, we get everyone to sing it the whole way through. So we have Mm. that um, stored away. And then everyone does a harmony, the second harmony, the third harmony. And then we choose what bits to have where. And like you said in the song Right Track, Wrong Man, that's the first time we've actually done both Josh and Christy singing the lead vocal all at once throughout the majority of the song. Talking about being in separate locations. So we're talking to you while you're in London, correct? Yep, that's correct. I live in London, as does Christy, and Josh lives in New York, and our drummer Olivia lives in Christ uh, in Wellington, New Zealand. Okay. Cause I think for most of the press is they said that the band is from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, we're all from New Zealand. We all met in New Zealand okay. and um we were all in bands previously in New Zealand, but we all well, me and Josh left New Zealand about eight years ago now, so we've been okay. away for a while. And to prepare for this, Charlie, uh, I wanted to make sure that I was able to connect. And so over the weekend, we watched uh, the first two extended editions of the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is true. And then last week, we also happened to watch uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. So I uh, feel that's like a good one. It's great. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. I love Taika. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I feel like, 
you know, in addition to listening to your music, I wanted to make sure that uh, that I had some other cultural connections as well. So, <laughs> well, I, I can give you some more after the pod, which might be a little more left of center than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Uh, there you fair go. Enough, fair enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm open to it. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely down with that. So yeah, but any any Taiko films are a good place to to go to. And um, my favorite is um, Boy, which is um, I think the film that came out before The Hunt for the Wilder People, which I highly recommend as well. And also his new film Jojo Rabbit, which oh, I'm sure brilliant. a lot of people have seen now. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but a, a Kiwi oh. film director. <laughs> ben, have, have you seen Thor Ragnarok? Yes. Okay, he directed that. That's the most commercial thing he'd done. Before okay, with the rabbit. Uh, other than that, he's just got just brilliant, uh, really, really quirky and fun, and uh, you know, great, great sensibility. So, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you've learned something Can, today. I did. Can we talk music again? Sure. I'm sorry, sorry about I'm, that. I'm, I'm here to sidetrack. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I got to tell you, Charlie, yeah. I discovered you guys in all places, a hotel lobby about a year ago. I thought you were going to say Starbucks or H&M or something like that. No, no. It, it, was, uh, it was in the lobby of a Marriott. Okay. And your song in camera was playing. And I dug it so much that I pulled out my phone and Shazam. Nice. It. I think that's a common experience for a lot of our fans. We're very much, um, we're very popular with the music supervisors who curate public places playlists, like shopping malls or hotel lobbies. I don't know what that says about our music, probably something not very good, but you know, I'm happy for it. <laughs> I was chatting with somebody about um, about you guys' music, and they're like, well, how would you describe it? And I'm like, um, a little bit on the ambient side, but kind of chill, but just a cool vibe. Like, I'm, I'm happy when I'm listening to you guys. And uh, so I think that that's what a, a coffee house is looking for is something a little chill, something that's not going to like depress the hell out of you. And that, that is definitely, that's definitely, I think what, what your guys's wheelhouse is, is that, um, you know, you've, you've got this happy vibe to it. Cool. That's good to hear. I mean, people always ask us why we decided to make the music we do or what influences us. And to be honest, we, 
didn't really have any choice in the matter. We just did what we could and it sort of ended up the way it is. And I mean, yeah, it's a combination of all of our influences over our entire, entire lives. And we all sort of grew up listening to similar sort of stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on yeah. when we get to the album that we've chosen. But um, it is a big mix of everything from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, um, to our friends' music, you know, music from bands in New Zealand to American artists, British artists. So uh, I think more and more as we move into the era of peop- artists being raised by the internet and getting new influences all at once through Spotify and, and things like that, mm-hmm. things are going to become even more uh, gender-bended than they already are. I think that's a, that's an interesting take on it, Charlie. Is is I know when I was growing up, uh, you know, I, I I'm forty, be forty six this year. Ben's significantly older than me, but um, <laughs> every time, every time, man, every but, time. But for us, it was almost. I mean, Ben being older than me, Ben was a big part of my musical influence. It was him sharing. Mm. Yo, you got to listen to this record, or you've got to, or you were, you were in a place you, we couldn't Shazam it at the time. You'd have to ask, you'd have to remember three or four or five lyrics or a line and go, "Have you ever heard this song that does that and says this?" Mm. And then you just try and track these things down. And so your musical influences were so much more geared by the people that you knew and what they introduced you to, or a sibling or a cousin or a friend. And now you have this access to. If I look at Yumizuma, it'll also tell me people who like Yumizuma. Mm. might also like these other 10 bands yeah. uh oddly and en- oddly enough the xx isn't in there i thought that was weird because not that you remind me of them but it definitely feels in that in that vibe uh, there's a vibe yeah 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 um so it is interesting what you're saying in terms of the influences are going to be so much broader mm. i think as as music progresses and it, and it will bend genres in a very different way and i think that's really cool yeah i think we were probably maybe the last generation to have that sort of limitation because when we were growing up, uh, Spotify wasn't a thing, but we had like access to uh, MP3 blogs, which were super popular during like the mid 2000s or early 2000s. So we would follow things like Gorilla vs. Bear who who were really important for Yumi Zuma when we were first starting out and getting our checks posted. And that was a huge thing for us because as teenagers, we used to follow that blog like daily and send each other the tracks. And, and, and that's how Yumi, like Josh and Christy especially were big influences for me and what I discovered um, as I was growing up. And I'm sure I was able to do the same for them in some way. But nowadays, that sort of thing doesn't really exist. So um, I, I get nostalgic a lot for those days when I used to like curate my iTunes library and stuff to a huge extent. And I'm sure older listeners are thinking, wow, they're so lame. You know, I used to have records <laughs> or something like that. But mixed, mixed, mixed. Yeah, mixed. Yeah, mixed. Like and I, even more so when I was a kid, like having CDs <laughs> was more of a thing. So it's funny how things change. And I'm sure. Uh, my children will say, wow, Spotify was such a thing of the past when they're listening <laughs> to things plugged directly into their brain and they're sort of making songs for themselves using algorithms and stuff and not having to yeah. <laughs> rely on artists to do that or something. Well, that's what drove me to 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 buying vinyl was exactly that, is it drove me to like having a more tangible experience, mm. you know, yeah. getting back to 
to that. So yeah, I've I've only just recently started buying vinyl. I never really had um, a culture of buying vinyl because my parents weren't really like record collectors or anything like that. So when I was growing up, it was just normal to just have you know CDs or MP3s or whatever. But now, being in a band and being on um, record labels, which is so um, focused on the vinyl and record collecting market. I've now discovered this greater appreciation for having something tangible. It's almost like having a bookcase full of books, you know, it gives you character and a sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And when someone walks into your house, they can be like, ah, oh, you've got this, you know, it, it's something to identify with and a sense of community, which I, I really like. And even if I don't um, go to the record player and put on a, a, a vinyl record, when I, whenever I want to listen to it, uh, music you know sometimes i still put up my headphones and listen to spotify but it's nice to have that option and to have um the presence of, of records in my apartment now it, it really adds a vibe which i didn't have before i'll i'll warn you once you start buying records it's going to be expensive. addictive <laughs> and ex- and expensive yeah. and expensive too but uh yeah, I, bu- I bought your guys' record uh, about a month ago, whenever it came out, and and uh, which variant did you get? I got the green Coke bottle. Nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I like that one. I think that's the one that suits the album artwork the most. I'm really happy with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I dig it. But so it's a, it's definitely it's definitely a conversation piece because I like showed it to my 15 year old. I'm like, hey, take a look at this because he bought me. He bought me the uh, Prince Purple Rain purple vinyl for, for Christmas. Oh, wow. So, you know, so I was like, uh, hey, yeah, look at this one. This is cool, too. Nice. Um, yeah. So so going back to what you were talking about with, um, you know, people finding your music, like you guys are also doing a lot of videos for, for your songs. Um, yeah, we just released a new one today. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Okay. I haven't. I I haven't I haven't gone to to check your socials for a couple of days. Yeah, so. we did one for Lonely After, and it came out about five oh. hours ago. <laughs> I just okay. I just watched yeah. it this morning as I was prepping. What for do you it. think, yeah. Jeff? Any good? Uh, it's cool. It's very cool. Again, Thank it's uh, very atmospheric and a lot of just interesting shots of it's it's uh, the composition of the shots and and pulling in the nature and water and all that sort of stuff. Uh, are you the the guy in it, or is that not no? Me? That's Josh. Yeah. So, Josh, okay. so me and Sorry, Olivia aren't in that video. We're, we're trying to focus a bit more on having Josh and Christy as the faces of the band at the moment. And it also helps to save money on flights when we need to fly back to New Zealand. <laughs> that, that video was shot in New Zealand. Um, when was it? Start of February. So right in the middle of summer. Okay. And uh, I'm very jealous yeah. I didn't get to partake in that. But I'm sure next time I'll be able to.
Now, are the ideas for those videos, are those yours or are they the director of the videos uh, coming up with the ideas? Because I really liked I really liked the video for Cool for a Second. I thought that, again, it just it's I'm watching it and I'm 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 smiling, brings a smile to your face. Yeah. I like those. I like those kind of videos that um, I think drives home the 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 mood of the song and i think your videos do a fantastic job of that thank you yeah that's definitely the most important thing i think from the videos i mean for a band like us where the the mood of the music is so important like the mood of the visual aesthetic needs to be important too like we're we're very particular about including like shots of nature are very important to us coming from New Zealand and also not trying to do too much with the storyline and not overwhelming the audio visual relationship. And, mm-hmm. and I think apart from that, we've sort of let the recent directors have a fairly free reign, like Martin Sagadin, who did the lonely after video. I think we had one, one or two calls with him just to let him know what we didn't like to see. And then he sort of came up with his own, own ideas and, and ran with it and then okay. nick mick who did the um the cool for a second video he came up with the treatment sent it to us and we're like yeah this is this is perfect this is exactly what we're looking for so we're really yeah. happy with that good stuff so how is the all the quarantine stuff how's that affecting the release of your record since it came <laughs> out like right right before yeah. all of us are now at home i mean <laughs> you guys didn't get a chance to tour at all well, for it, did you sort of so i mean it couldn't have been more um on the money really with, <laughs> with the timing so our album came out on march the 13th and Ugh. we started our tour in the UK and London on March the 10th. We played one show in America on March the 12th. And I believe that day or the day after Donald Trump announced the travel ban and um, governors around the states were announcing venue restrictions on venues holding a uh, capacity of more than 500 people or less than 500 people, right. etc. So after we got off the stage from our first US show in DC, we started getting all these texts and emails from our booking agent saying, this show's been canceled, this show's been canceled, this show's been canceled. The next day, the whole tour was canceled and we were just like, oh no, our album, like our album was literally coming out the, the next day and our main promotional asset is touring really and it was very i mean on one hand we were like yeah totally whatever needs to be done to stop people from being sick you know we will do it the health of everyone is way more important than some stupid album that a band from new zealand has put out (laughs) but at the same time we've been working on this record for two to three years and it's super heartbreaking to go to the states and be at the very start of your tour and and this was the first tour as well we'd we'd when we'd sold out every show like it was a big a big moment for us and yeah. um yeah it was it was tough to take but at the same time it was sort of understandable and everything was 
gone crazy at the moment so we were just like yeah sure of course like we'll fly home yep. the next day <laughs> like uh, like everyone just told us get out of the country go back home because you never know if you'll be able to yep. get on yep. a plane again you know so we we just went back the next day I flew back to London Olivia flew all the way back to New Zealand like she had the craziest <laughs> round trip journey I but, um, yeah so now we're just waiting and trying to like crystal ball gaze as to what to do next and when to reschedule everything because I mean for now yeah. we have holes on venues to do the shows again in September in a different configuration but we don't even know if September will be late enough for things to be back to to normal in some sense so it's super um it's a it's a confusing time right now to try and plan anything ahead of schedule yep. for anyone i'm sure yep. so. i i just i just clicked buy on your on your record so i don't know if that one extra purchase is going to make it <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> i just i just as we were walking through it i i, I went on amazon and and grabbed it so thank you Jeff. um hopefully other people that listen will uh will do the same i just i you know and, and again that's that's the thing that i know ben you've emphasized a few times on these i hope uh you know i i'm, I'm plugging it for comics as well stand-up comics you know to musicians comics uh people who make their money off the arts i hope people will go out and buy their albums or buy their specials right now you've got time to listen to them and and help keep those things alive uh because there, there's a lot of people that live in that sort of gig economy that uh, have lost a lot of work and, and so mm. hopefully, hopefully everybody can do a little bit to kind of keep those things rolling and the arts rolling. Cause that's the, that would be the biggest strategy is mm. totally agree. So, yeah. And I guess the silver lining is that hopefully now we've created something that will help people, you know, get through this lockdown and provide some sort of entertainment and, you know, at the end of it, hopefully we'll have a bunch of new listeners who'll be familiar with the record so that when we come to play shows again you know there'll be people there who'll be singing along absolutely you guys you guys doing a bunch of creative and file sharing type stuff right now or can can you even think about the creative <laughs> side of things with all the yeah, craziness I mean, of the world for a band like us who's used to sending files across the world this is like just normal we're we're, we're okay with, with writing songs like this again <laughs> but it was a bit strange when we got back and the next day we had a conference call with everyone and we we're like, okay, so what do we do now? I guess we, we start writing for the next record. And it just seems so strange to, to, to start doing that, the, you know, two days after right. the, the latest one comes out. But um, yeah, so that's what we're doing now. We're, we're, I guess, midway through writing for the next album, whenever that's supposed to come out. We've got plans to do... Um, I'm not sure if I'm able to say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. We go, we've got plans to do like an alternate version of Truthful Consequences, <laughs> the album that just came out. So we're going to, we're oh, just cool. going to rewrite yeah. all the songs again and see where that takes us and put that out, hopefully to come out when we tour in September. Okay. And then um, we, we've got some collaborations with some people in the pipeline. Like as soon as the lockdown started, you would not believe all the DMs that artists started sending each other saying, oh, are you free to, to work on music now? <laughs> We've got nothing to do. So I think the, the few months um, after this is all over will be a, a, an interesting time to see what people have come up with. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well, let's, let's, uh, let's go to the record that, uh, you chose for this episode, Jeff, you want to ask the, uh, the transition question, the, the transition from interview section to record choice question. Yeah, Charlie, this is an important question. Okay. So I want you to give it some, some thought. <laughs> um, so the thing that uh, I want to know is Toto's Africa. Do you think that's a good or a bad song? Wow. Um, I think it's a good song. We ask all the hard hitting <laughs> questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it's a good song. It's a very tough question. And, it's got one, I've got one big issue with it and that's usually, um, so I, I have a real issue with songs that have key changes in them, especially <laughs> for like main sections other than just like the outro or the last chorus after the bridge where it like smoothly transitions into a, a key change like Macy Gray's I Try or something. But if I remember correctly, Africa by Toto does it every single chorus, right? I think so, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, man, that, that drives me wild. But I think the song is a good song. And I probably am a little bit biased because I play in a band that sort of draws upon similar influences to Toto and uses similar instrumentation. So I'm, I'm probably okay, more okay with it than other artists that you probably <laughs> talk to. No, actually, most are on this side. So this question started. Okay. It's, it's his regular co-host that doesn't. He doesn't like it. And yeah. and when I heard him talking about it on an episode, it floored me because I just didn't know that people didn't like Africa. <laughs> I just thought it, it was one of those songs that I just I thought we were all on the same page. I was mm. like, everybody likes that, right? And it turns out that a few people don't, but more do than well, don't is what uh, they found. So I think I think that kind of music does have a lot of haters. Like me, me and Josh from New Museum were talking about this recently when we were talking about Phil Collins. Like he's so polarizing, mm-hmm. and oh, I love Phil Collins. Yeah, exactly, Collins. and and a lot of Yumi Zuma fans love Phil Collins as well. But I'm I'm not so much of a fan. I I haven't gone as deep as I, I probably should have. But it's it's extraordinary how polarizing how polarizing he is, and how much he sort of has. I we we were talking about it because we read an interview with him and. It was in Rolling Stone or something, and he, he was talking about how he's just accepted that he's a joke figure to most people now, and that people universally hate his music. So it's sort of there's no reason for him to make any more. And was sort of, we were like, "Geez, it's so bleak." And why has this happened to this poor guy? Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I think that kind of like stereotypically '80s keyboard power ballad sort of music has that response in a lot of people i don't know why yeah i i, uh, yeah. I fall very much in line with uh, the answer that jack donaghy gives in uh, 30 rock to tracy morgan's character when he asks him if he likes phil collins <laughs> i've got two ears and a heart don't i that's exactly when it comes on phil well i f- i found out um um just recently how polarizing billy joel is oh, as well because wow. uh because uh i po- i posted i posted a poll on twitter and mm. and usually when i post a poll on twitter you know i get maybe 20 30 people who respond to the to the poll sure and, and granted i will say that i worded it i worded it in a way that i knew that i was going to get some 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 people throwing some vitriol my way and i said so for billy joel at what point did you 
did he jump the shark or become uncool? And I gave a few periods in his life, which I knew that people were like, you know, the innocent man period was really, people hated that album. This, uh, once he got to like river of dreams was people really hated that as well. Now I'm, I love Billy Joel. Um, there's a couple albums that I don't love, but I love Billy Joel and I worded it in a way that I knew that was going to cause a little bit of, of, uh, trouble. Um, I got like over 600 votes on this poll on Twitter because all the Billy Joel fans came out of the woodwork to, to basically say, um, he's always been cool. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And uh, so, so I totally get the Phil Collins polarizing thing as well. Cause I think he and Billy Joel both are polarizing figures, but mm. I think El- Elton John probably falls in that category as well. Right. Yeah. Well, Elton and Billy are both very like theatrical and the, the, the music is very much like storytelling music, right? It's almost like mm-hmm. soundtrack to a, to a musical or something like that. So I can understand why, Probably for people from a younger generation, it's quite yeah. hard to take it seriously. Um, but, I mean, I think Billy Joel is a great artist. I mean, I didn't really grow up with him as much as someone from the States probably would have. Like, for example, Elton John was way bigger in New Zealand than Billy Joel probably was. And I think we considered him to be much more of like a more of a New York thing than an international right. album. But, like... I knew the hits like Uptown Girl and Piano Man, We Didn't Start the Fire, etc. So, um, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. respect for Billy Joel. But yeah, personally, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a fan, probably. Yeah. So, so uh, tell us what record you chose. Actually, I, I always tell, I always ask the artist to, to, to say that, but you gave yeah. me a whole giant list to choose <laughs> from. So, we, we kind of, I kind of chose. Uh-huh this out of all of the ones that you gave me because i knew that uh my my guest co-host jeff this was this is one of his bands okay and so uh, jeff i was thinking of you when when we landed on this particular one because you gave me so let me go through a couple I of gave these you 27 I, albums to choose from i think <laughs> <laughs> and basically the 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 reason behind all of them was that they were the favorite albums of mine in between the years of me starting and finishing high school basically or starting and ending university so who is tops okay so tops are a band from montreal i believe or somewhere in canada that we uh played a show with um maybe about four years ago maybe okay five years ago and they released an album which I loved a bit. It's called Tender Opposites. And Josh from Unizuma bought it for me. And I hadn't heard of the band before. And um, it's very clean and dry sounding. There are no flashy production tricks or much in the way of effects or anything like that. It's just guitar, acoustic drums, bass, and a little bit of keyboards. And if you're into... Classic rock in the mold of Fleetwood Mac, then you'll probably like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Was that the only one out of the 27 that you didn't know? 
No, there was a there were a few others. Let's see. Um, I don't know Jessica Pratt. Oh, you have to check out Jessica Pratt. Do I need to check out Jessica Pratt? Okay. Yeah, she's a she's a singer songwriter, sort of acoustic folk guitarist from San Francisco. Okay. Um, and she's released three albums now, and uh, the last two are actually part of my very meager record collection right now. And gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I highly recommend those if you're into folk music, basically. Yeah. And let's see, who else did I not know on this? I don't know Die, Die, Die. Oh, okay, yeah, I mean, that's probably not, not too surprising. They're a band from Dunedin in New Zealand. And okay. they were big in New Zealand in the early 2000s. And then they sort of branched out and went to the States and Europe for a bit. And I think Steve Albini might have produced one of their records or something like that. Oh, okay. And they're very much uh, a sort of a post-punk band. Uh, it's just drums, bass, and guitar, but the vocals are fierce and there's a lot of distortion and everything's very fast. So for me as a 16 year old you know that was very much up my alley yeah so looking at your list and i'm probably showing my age when i when i say this um is that i noticed that there is a lot of bands that were talked about in the book meet me in the bathroom you read that I have not York. read it, but I think I know what you're talking about. It's a book about New York in the early 2000s, right? Correct. So you've yeah. got you've got the Strokes, you've got Interpol on your list, you've got yeah. the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, the the, the Rapture, um, Kings of Leon. I think were even mentioned in that book because that was you know early 2000. And mm-hmm. well, I think we'll talk a little bit about a few of the a few of the songs that I feel like maybe maybe did you know, took a little, little something from the strokes. So all of like the garage rock explosion was basically what you're referring to, right? Like I'm I'm 30 now. So when I was starting high school, I was 13 in 2003. So at that time, I think the strokes had just released a second record bands like the, the yeah, 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 the highs of vines, Interpol, all of those groups were just exploding and, guitar rock was almost like pop music for a little bit. And that's what inspired me to get into music, start playing guitar, start being in a band and everything. So that's why those bands um, had such a big influence on me and why the 27 albums I said to you. Right. Well, we'll we'll have you back on. Like I would, yeah. I would love, I would, I would love to do an episode on Interpol. I I love yeah. those first two records. Those first Same. two records are just stellar. Same. And um, and Air Moon Safari, you pick that as well. I, yeah. Well, when I when I picked that one, that was more um, coming from a Yumi Zuma angle because that is yeah. the album that we always say when we need to answer the question like what album influenced you as a band the most yep. all of us really love that and draw inspiration from that a lot and think that it has somehow sort of permeated our yumi zoom sound or we'd like to think that at least but yeah. i think we're a, a no wee bit off I, still. <laughs> yep i i totally see that and it, it's such a good record such yeah. a good record yeah. yeah big inspiration for us 
So we landed on Kings of Leon's mm-hmm. Youth and Young Manhood. Um, and this is this is the debut record. So originally, originally you <laughs> sent over uh, part of your list was uh, what, what's the second record called? Aha Jeff? Shake Heartbreak. Aha Shake Heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. And and when your when your publicist emailed and said, "Can we?" He wants to switch to Youth and Young Man. I almost <laughs> answered for Ben. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's switch to that. Okay. Because I'm I, I I like I think this is a pretty ferocious debut. I, I really yeah. like it a lot. But Aha, uh, it was that was a tougher album for me. I thought it was a mm-hmm. little sort of schizophrenic, and um, it, from a conversational standpoint, like I I, I there's st- there's stuff on there that I like, but in uh, not a, not cohesively enough to really love the album the same way as a lot of their other albums. So yeah. I was a little more tentative about like I don't know quite what to say. I was afraid that we were going to get on. You're going to be like, that's my favorite of theirs, yeah. and we had nothing to talk about. So <laughs> yeah, and and that is exactly why I changed it as well. Actually, for the three of the bands we've just mentioned, I have the same issue for for the Strokes, the Kings of Leon, and for Interpol. My favorite songs of theirs are all on their second records, but yeah. mm. their first albums, I think, uh, are solidly the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think cool songs on Aha Shake mm. Heartbreak for sure, mm. but boy, the album just it, it it boggles me sometimes when I'm trying to listen to it front to back. <laughs> it just I don't yeah. quite know what to make of it. Yeah, it doesn't boggle me to say, but but there are definitely some songs on there which I think are not as strong as others. Whereas on um, Youth and Young Manhood and Is This It and um, oh, what's the first Interpol album about the red light? Yeah, uh, um, turn off. Turn, yeah, turn, turn on the bright off. lights. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are all consistently strong across the board. Yeah. But I yeah. feel like for each of those artists, they they discovered more of an interesting sound on the second record. Like for Kings of Leon and Aha Shake Heartbreak, I think songs like the the bucket and what's the first song that kicks off the record? Slow night, um, so long. Yeah, exactly that one. That they are a little less derivative maybe of you know 60 60s 70s rock and roll and a little more um creative and 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 unique and the Mm. same on room on fire like i think the strokes sort of created something which was a bit more unique and that we haven't heard much since and, yeah, and yeah. I, I think that they were doing that a little bit on aha shake heartbreak uh it's just like they were they it seemed like they were experimenting on so many different songs that they didn't tie together mm. very well and it, it, it made yep. for sort of a you know it sometimes it just makes for the transitions are very clunky to me at times and it's, mm. it's sort of an unsettling feel uh when i'm listening to it front to back as opposed to just picking out songs that i think that they they really sort of then take that and and put it into their evolution as they get into because of the times and only by the night and they really seem yeah. to make good use of it going forward. That's yeah. just the one album for me that whatever I kind of stumble on a little bit in terms of just sitting down and listening to an album. And I do really like album listening. I like to listen front to back as opposed yeah. to just picking out songs. Yeah, I mean, as someone who has to deal with track listing albums, it's a tough thing to do, man. Like. Sure. Especially when you're the artist and you've spent months working on these tracks, to be able to step back and say, actually, what works and what flows the best is really difficult and it's something I struggle with a lot. But um, 
I've been um, criticised in the past a lot by other unnamed members of Yumizuma for doing this thing <laughs> where um, I, I, I used to do this as a kid. I would get records and rearrange to track this thing myself and then oh. re like rebounce out the record <laughs> and and <laughs> and or also like change parts of songs and stuff like that like i had a real big hit around my high school with um or it might have been university i can't remember when this came out um with the arcade fire album the suburbs which i thought was way too long and didn't have enough catchy bits so i cut a third of the tracks and reworked some of the songs and redistributed it amongst my friends. Um, and I, I sort of did that with um, Aha Shake Heartbreak as well. So that's maybe why I like it. Interesting. More <laughs> so what you're saying, you've got a, you've got a career in production work down the road, right? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm starting to do that a little bit already, but yeah, um, gotcha. I try not to let other artists know that I rework their uh, track listings <laughs> because I think I told Conan Moccasin once that I um, changed the track listing of his last album, and I think he got a little bit offended by it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm one who I sometimes will accidentally hit that button on Spotify where it it will um what what do you call it 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 just shuffle shuffle or whatever and it yeah. drives mm. me insane and when until i figure out i'm like what's wrong it's not it doesn't feel right something feels wrong mm. and it's it's that ocd wow. part of me that really jumps yep. in at that point i and i do i struggle with that as soon as something seems out of sequence to me it's very hard for me to just kind of be settled with it for whatever reason so that's so crazy to me because the way i listen to music for the first time right is that i when I get an album on Spotify or if I download the music into my iTunes library, I put it all in a playlist just for that album. And then as I listen to it, I drag the songs to the top of the playlist that I like so that they're at the start. <laughs> and then I listen to the album over and over again with the good songs that I like at the start um, being the ones I, I listen to a lot. And then slowly over time as I go through the album more and more i get to the songs that i don't like so much and then i find greater appreciation for those so the track listing is always in flux and i would, Charlie, and you would you would hate it listening to you say that is like nails on a chalkboard to me like it, it makes my mind, i get goosebumps of like how that's so it, it, again it is it, it's it, i have some ocd and so yeah. listening to you say that you do that, I'm just like, I can't even imagine doing that to it. It just, it, it, it almost yeah. like stresses me out. It's my heart yeah. is beating faster. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. that's all right. That's all right. It's, uh, it's but, just funny to listen to the different ways that someone would, you know, to digest that. And that's maybe why you would like something like aha shake heartbreak. Cause you're just mm-hmm. re- reordering it anyway. Whereas I'm trying yeah. to listen to it front to back and yeah. Yeah, that I I listened to it once when we when we you know decided okay we're gonna go Kings of Leon route mm-hmm. and and after listening to it I was like ooh the sequence on this is really off to me <laughs> yeah. so so yeah yeah so we sw- so we switched it up we went with youth and young manhood so do you guys know much of the history of the band because I uh, the the release of this was interesting to me. So it was released in 2003, but it was released first in the UK on July 7th of 2003, followed by in the States on August 19th. 
Mm. So did they already have a UK following that, or was that we're going to test it out in the UK first and see how it goes there and then release it in the States? Cause they're from the States. They're from what? Oklahoma, Nashville, Oklahoma. Uh, they spent yeah. time a lot of places. They were, you know, they traveled around with their father was a Pentecostal preacher. And so he would do these tent revivals and they would, you know, live in and out of, I think a, like a station wagon and traveled all these places. And, and uh, it's interesting because they did pick up and become bigger in Australia and the UK quicker than they did in the States. But I don't know why on the first album they would have released it there earlier. Yeah. I think that was quite common across a lot of those bands, like the Strokes as well. I, I think because of the enemy and the oh, ABC that's it. Radio, radio culture and, and just the history of indie music in the UK, they're very, when they, when that music was available, I think the, the, the population was probably just way more ready to champion it than in the States, I'd imagine. And I know that on the right. second Kings of the End record that it came out a few months beforehand in the UK as well. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just the first album thing. And just the concept of doing that now seems so weird. Like releasing an album in the UK several months before in the States would definitely not be something that our management right. would be happy for us to do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah so right. funny. So um, the the band is comprised of four follow wells. Did it, did I say that right, Jeff? I think it's follow, follow will. Yeah, follow will. Follow will. Yeah. So Caleb Caleb who does lead vocals and rhythm guitar. Jared who does bass and keys. Matthew who is the cousin. Um, he does lead guitar and keys. And then Nathan who is on the drums. And all of the Jared, Matthew, and Nathan all provide some backing vocals, which you'll hear, you know, scattered throughout the the record. Um, so I guess the question that I've got for you, for both of you, is: Would you ever want to be on tour with your siblings or your cousin? <laughs> Jeez, no way! Not, 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 no, uh, not mine. No, uh, I don't. I don't have any cousins, but I wouldn't want to be on tour with my sister for that long. She's very uh, strict. <laughs> right um and do you guys read pitchfork i used I, to yeah i used to as well I, so so the review that came out for this album came out about the same time jeff that you and i were writing for the now defunct cd reviews.com yeah pitchfork gave this album a 4.2 rating out of oh. what was their high was it a five or is it a 10 a 10 a 10 oh wow Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Um, so he, l- let me just read one paragraph. I read it. I read it a couple of days ago well, and I'm like, well, and really what Pitchfork. you're pointing out is the reason why I stopped writing, reading Pitchfork in the first place. I think it, exactly, exactly. Their music is often referred to as Southern rock, although it doesn't rock at all. It lacks force, velocity, and power. It also has a little, it has little in common with a lot of what, of what of the best, southern rock hat it doesn't display the craftsmanship and technical proficiency of the allman brothers the anthemism and storytelling of of leonard skinner nor the eccentricity of little feet and i want to just point out that they spelled feet incorrectly they spelled it as <laughs> feet. the feet that you use yeah, instead yeah. of f-e-a-t well, so yeah. right right there i'm like guys you guys are a-holes in, in terms of 
technical craftsmanship of Almond Brothers. I mean, which era of the Almond Brothers are you talking about? The polished version that everyone knows? Uh, you know, there might be some truth to that. These are these are kids that essentially taught themselves how to play instruments, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. basically selling the label on the fact that their brother Jared could learn bass. He was a freshman or sophomore in high school. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll teach him bass. And then they they kidnapped it's their total co- Tommy Stinson right yeah, there. Yeah, they kidnapped their cousin, uh, telling their aunt that they were just going to keep him for a week and basically just <laughs> never let him go back. And you know, and and they all jumped in and learned instruments. So I don't know if the technical craftsmanship is maybe you know uh, that might be a valid thing on the first album to 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 say as they learn their instruments, but uh, you know o- over time that that starts to evolve and and they get better at it like anybody else does when they pick up pick up uh and 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 you know you you referenced it a little bit earlier charlie in terms of it was there was like a, a sort of a, a rough garage aesthetic that was going on at this time mm. with a lot of these bands and and you know there's a charm to that as well that they just there was just it was more passion maybe than than technical proficiency but uh mm. you know yeah, yeah. And, yeah and for that reason i think the the review totally misses the point like for the band's like that who I was just finding out about as a young kid like I and I include like the libertines in this as well the the ramshackle aesthetic of not being technically proficient at your instrument was attractive it was just so much cooler and like the the sound of everything does that not did that not maybe inspire you of going I think I can learn that isn't that kind Mm. of what you were saying like it didn't it's, seem impossible, right? Mm, and it's just like the 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 dissonance between what was on the radio at the time, like having perfectly quantized pop music compared to a band like the Kings of Leon that had two guitarists, one panned hard left, one panned hard right, drum kit and bass in the middle, and then one track of vocals. like, And everything being sort of like one take. Uh, you know, like yeah. that, the the energy and uh, attitude was paramount, and the technical yeah. proficiency was not so much. Yeah, it's more garage band. Yeah, totally. And and yeah. if it was more polished, then that probably would have not connected so well with me. Like the, one of the big reasons I find talking about Kings of Leon interesting with you guys is that they are a band that moved stylistically in a big way. And I don't connect so much with their latest records. And, and the reasoning behind that is, is interesting to me to try and hypothesize, like what, how can you go from sounding like youth and young manhood, one record to you two, two albums later. And like, being on tour with you too probably influenced them. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That makes <laughs> right. sense. But like, it obviously brought them huge success. But, yeah. and, but that to me was um, like when the third album came out, I was like, oh man, all of the, the coolness has been stripped away. Everything sounds perfect now. So, yeah. Yeah. They did get more polished. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I shared on Twitter the, the clip from uh, the, the show New Girl. Mm-hmm. With uh, with Jeff, I shared that on the social media, and it's uh, Zoe Deschanel is looking at potential dates and getting dating advice from Schmidt, mm-hmm. and she mentions that one one guy has 
dreamy eyes and joint joint bank account eyes. Okay. And 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 Schmidt counters. He says, if you're saying things like, here, let me get the quota. If you're saying things like dreamy eyes to my face, then we have more work to do than the Kings of Leon. I mean, good band, but it feels like they're stuck in one place musically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that I think that that's it. Plays better as a clip. It's it's funnier as a clip. I think. I think you. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 not I'm not Schmidt at all. But when um, did that when did that quote come out? That's it. Three years ago. Okay. Because as, yeah. as, as an early Kings of Leon fan, they did not stay in that one place long enough for me. Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I was just, just going to ask, are you still on, on the Kings of Leon train? Because I, I probably jumped off on Come Around Sundown, which was the follow-up to Only By The Night, which was pretty popular. I mean, mm. that that had their sex on fire. Um, what was the other big song off of that, Jeff? You somebody. You somebody. Yeah, that mm. was huge as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been no other band or artist that I have been more of a fan of and less of a fan of. If like yeah. from album to album, like the first two albums, Kings of Leon, I loved, and they were they were my jams. And then after that, it's just they were dead to me. Right. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. See, I've liked, I, I bounce in and out with them. They're not a band that um, I love across the board, but they'll have something here and there that I'll hear glimpses of what I really loved about them. Um, and so I just kind of come in and out. Uh, they're not a band that I've looked heavily to continue to see live or any of that sort of stuff. But I did see them. I saw them twice opening for you two. And that was where I was really hooked was that just mm. raw energy uh of, of watching them and now they've, they've got sort of a i don't know for lack of a better comparison uh uh killers or imagine dragons or something like that where it feels a little they're an arena rock band arena, arena rock yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a little sure. bit uh to borrow a quote from from the movie singles it's beer and lifestyle music at, at some point uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a little different so I, I i i miss a little bit of that rough edge as well um but but i can sing along to some of the later songs you know so yeah. yeah. And I think the part of the reason why I wanted to choose our Heartshake Heartbreak was that when I saw them play, the only time I've ever seen them play was I think in 2014, maybe right when their album came out and they were playing at the Big Day Art Festival, which is the only sort of festival that we had in New Zealand and Australia where international artists would come well, at least like indie rock artists would come and that was my first time sort of seeing uh, bands that I'd been listening to from America and when they started playing, I was just, it was a euphoric moment for me and I'll, I'll never forget it. It might not have been 2014, uh, maybe 2005 or two, yeah, 2005 maybe, but yeah. oh, that was so good and that was a, a gig that I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget. And um, when I think they opened with "Slow Night So Long," and and that song was so good, life. But um, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we did switch back to the first album because when I was listening back to it, I was like, yeah, this is way better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's uh, let's jump into the track by track. So, Mm -hmm. as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Um, Jeff, this is where I usually throw it to Wayne. So. 
How many songs on this record? There are 12, Ben. All right. That means our top song is going to get 12 points. Nick's favorite 11 on down to lowest score of one. So let's kick it off. This is uh, first single off the record and lead track on the record. This is Red Morning Light. No, you could have been a wonder Taking your circus to the sky This is a great opening track, right? Yeah, definitely. At least I think so. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think this is a nice kickoff to it. Uh, this this definitely uh, has that vibe that um, uh, feeds into the early Strokes comparison. I think um, this mm-hmm. this song in particular does. This one is right off the bat. This band and I didn't we didn't talk about that as, as up front, but I'm intrigued by this band because of their upbringing to some extent. Yeah, it's really conservative religious upbringing. Um, and then when they break free of this, it's like whatever the Pentecostal version of Roomspringa is, you know, where they're just like it feels like they just are going to uh, feel and taste and touch everything. And there's so much sexuality, <laughs> you know, through so many of these lyrics, some of it metaphorical. Like, uh, you know, things like um, uh, giving all your cinnamon away. That's the first time I've heard it referred to as that. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear the, you know, as they just shed whatever this conservatively religious upbringing is and, and just put it all out there. And it's all over the place on this album. You guys giving away your cinnamon during this uh, quarantine? <laughs> You're keeping your cinnamon to, to yourself. Yeah, no one's for ages. Thinking. I thought he was saying. I always thought he was saying sentiment. Yeah, it's giving all your sentiment <laughs> away. Yeah, yeah. Even if he'd have been but, saying that, it still would have been sex, Charlie. That's still what he would have been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's clear that just about everything on this album is so sex. I mean, this is a this is this is like the um, you know young these young uh, f- formerly tightly conservative Christian. Uh, kids um, really embracing the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of of that uh, you know that aesthetic in, in terms of yep. what they're singing anyway. And I know that they they did some pretty hard partying as well, and and uh, definitely got into all of that. But uh, it's laced all over this album, and it definitely starts right out with this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like looking back at the music video now, I remember seeing this on the one alternative music channel that we have in New Zealand, which doesn't exist anymore called C4 where they'd play like American indie rock videos at 10 PM once a week. And I was just like, wow, what is this music? Like these people look so weird. Like they're from the sixties or seventies. And I've just been growing up listening to Hanson and Aqua and 
Matchbox 20. Like, this is so, so cool. So, I mean, obviously, everybody of my parents' age were thinking, oh, you know, I've seen this all before. But for that's the funny thing about music, you know. Everything swings and comes around in roundabouts. And for some people, it's the first time they've seen or heard stuff. So It's a pendulum. Yeah. Yeah. Back. yeah. All right. Let's get some scores on this. So, Jeff. Uh, this is seven. I, I, it, I feel bad about it. It feels lower than it should be, but that's that's just where it landed with the other scores. So. Gotcha. Charlie? I gave this 11, second highest All score. right. All right. And this, I'm matching Jeff's score of seven. Oh, so, I'm intrigued to hear what came above. Yeah. I did consider giving this a lower score just because, like, from a songwriting point of view, I feel like it's quite, you know, straight up there's not too much interesting about it but then i don't know if it was because it was the first sort of rock and roll song like this that i'd almost ever heard before there's something about it that just brings me right back and gives me a vibe like like nothing else on this record so and that makes that makes sense you know that's yeah just so you know the sentimentality of things uh definitely skew people's scores and that's Mm. and that's okay yeah absolutely okay yeah. All right, next song is uh, Happy Alone. This goes back to who, who who brought up the point of being raw. That this is a, this is a raw rock and roll album. I feel like this is a this really definitely shows the the rawness of of this uh, of this band. Uh, what do you guys have to say about Happy Alone? Uh, I like this one a lot. Um, it it, it uh, there's just um, first of all, if you name check Montana, that's a great way to hook me in. So uh, I knew that was going <laughs> to hook you in. Yeah, if you name check the state of my birth and uh, a place that I love, uh, it's definitely gonna gonna draw me in. Um, I, I like all the tambourine. The tambourine, I, I, I dig it. Uh, and again, it feels very rough and raw. And there's an edge, and um, and I think there's sex in this one too. So. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah the 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 face hair. What what's the the line? Let me look. Uh, I'm gonna tangle my face hair. I'm gonna tickle your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, right? I mean, yeah. Let's pull over. Yeah. Have us a choke. I I don't know what that is, but I don't understand a lot of their lyrics. I got to be honest, but I can. If I, any of the ones I don't understand, I assume it's it's probably sexual. That's Man, yeah. you, you guys are from America. Think about how confusing this was for like a 13, 14 year old <laughs> New Zealander <laughs> down at the bottom right. of the world hanging out with some penguins and being like, what the f is this all about? Like, you, so you've just like watched, the, you've watched the, Whale Rider and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Just so and, you know, when they start talking about pistols, it's usually about their penis. Yeah. Just right, so you okay. know. Yeah. And, and, and not just because of like the, the distance, but you know like new zealand is not a very religious country like southern conservatism is not something i'd really 
had much knowledge of before. And like the most of the lyrics to me were gibberish. It was it was just the the vibe mm-hmm. and the attitude that I was getting it hooked on. To be honest, most of them are gibberish to me still. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, so I, I, you know, it just in terms of the states itself, uh, not having spent much time in the South, I've, I've done a few shows there, but uh, I don't know it either. It doesn't make it mm. feels almost probably as foreign to me as it does to you in a lot of ways. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I've lived now in in the South for the last uh, almost twenty years, and it's this is also gibberish to me at, at times too. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's all good. Uh, I have one more thing to say about about Happy Alone. Oh, yeah. The guitar solo in this is is awesome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Charlie, what's your score on this? I feel bad now. I gave it a seven. I don't know why, nah. but no, nah, don't feel back bad. to it. it Maybe it should have been higher, but I guess we'll find out why it's not so high later on. That's it. Jeff? Uh, this is my eight. All right. This is okay. my five. Ooh. Yeah, there was, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of other songs that I liked way more than this. So. We're going to be all what over are, the place. What are your problems? Just the grittiness of it. Um, and, and I thought it was, uh, compared to some of the other songs on there, where it's a little more polish and a little less garage band. Mm. Um, I tended, I tended towards those, which, um, okay. All right. Fair enough. Next song is wasted time. Take that route, but I want you little sister by your side. Maybe a little later we can all collide. Do I love and like a roll that stone? Time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted. Find us a smile. I run out free. Baby, don't give it like it used to be. Baby, don't give it like it used to be. I show you. And this was released as a single. This was the third single off the record. And I didn't see that it charted in the U.S., but it the, the going on Wikipedia, it said the song reached number 51 on the U.K. chart. So for, for whatever that is. I would say uh, one thing that I would recommend people do when digging into early Kings of Leon is to actually do look at the lyrics because I felt like the first several records, Caleb, um, who's a lead singer, sometimes wants to um, enunciate the words. And other times, like in the song, he's okay with being <laughs> more punk and not enunciating. And so the feel of the words it, and trying to keep up with the music seemed to be more important to him. And I felt like this is, this is one of those um where I think he was okay with not enunciating. It's it's funny yeah. that you say punk because my thought in listening to it was very Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know, it's like really okay. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of the album where I'm just like he's doing sort of that just mumbling along thing yeah. that it's just it seems more about the energy and the vibe. And if you don't hear the lyrics, it's not that it doesn't seem to bother him that much. Um, yeah, and, and it does make it interesting when you read through it because there's a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, that's 
you know, time on me is wasted time is an interesting, that's an interesting line. Um, so yeah. And again, yeah. again, here we are shaking your apple right in front of my face. Only when you know that I'm begging for a bite, I, it's just, it's laced everywhere. And I think they just did it. So their mom wouldn't recognize all the lines. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe Charlie, what do you got on this song? Well, I put this as a four and I'm surprised that you said it was third single because it doesn't really have a chorus, right? It's got it's got the bit that's no. like, time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted time. Uh, but it's not. It's more of like a pre-chorus, and then the bit that comes after it is like yeah. According to to the internet, so the chorus is in an innocent smile, running free. Mm, Baby's going to give it like it used to be. That's what they're saying sure. is the chorus. Now, granted, yeah, it's coming from the internet, so who knows how much of that is accurate? But I, yeah. I would agree yeah. with that. But in terms of like a traditional chorus. It's not something that you would associate with like a, a single, right? It's a very short chorus. Right. There's not really a, a hook in it. And the title of the song isn't in it and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a surprising choice. Um, I, I do I do like the guitar part on that, though. I, I, I do yeah. kind of find that pretty pretty uh, catchy. So Yeah, it's very angular. Like yeah, a lot yeah. of high strings and stuff that was yeah. like almost in the Rapture's wheelhouse at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. can totally see that. All right. So um, this is one where we're going to agree on a score. That doesn't happen very often. So, uh, Charlie, you said you you had a four. Um, Jeff and I also had a four. So nice. um, Matching fours. All right. Next song is Joe's Head. Wow, this is an interesting song. Was is this like it's supposed to be like a follow up to the Jimi Hendrix song, "Hey Joe"? I don't know, but it uh, what it reminds me of. I just like the storytelling nature of this one. Me too. It reminds me a bit of the not in terms of it not feels like it or whatever, but it's the aesthetic that's painted by like Neil Young's "Down by the River" or Wilco's "Via Chicago." It's this sort of true crime admission of somebody or listen to them talk about a crime or Johnny Cash. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. There's something that's interesting about that to me uh, as a character. This Joe character to me is just fascinating. So from a true crime, kind of a, an allure and storytelling song, I really liked it a lot. I dug it. Yeah. But you, Charlie, what do you like about this song? I love the whole song. I mean, <laughs> before getting into the rating, I think, um, the thing I've just realized just a second ago is that the Kings of Leon songs I love the most are the ones that almost aren't just balls to the wall rock and roll. It's when it, they get a little more um, traditional like in their songwriting and the songs are in a major key rather than like a pentatonic blue scale. And so yeah. 
like the song in California Waiting, which is number one I love, are, are very just like um, almost happy and s- simple, like one, four, five sort of chord progressions that, um, you know, you've heard a thousand times before, but because they do it in their way with, you know, their unique Southern rock sort of style and the, the way that Caleb sings, it's um, it's much more interesting for me than sort of like just the um, ACDC sort of, <laughs> or, or like um, right. um, in New Zealand we had a band called the Datsuns who did something similar where it was just like uh, everything in a minor pentatonic blue scale, very rock and roll. And um, the, the, the happier major key Kings of Leon songs sound, I, they're the ones that I listen to probably more today. And I kind of associate them with um, like the soft rock sound. Of, <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever listened to the Blue Jean Committee, <laughs> which was a parody no. band of, 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 of soft rock in the 70s and like uh, of the Eagles and stuff like that. And I feel like these tracks could have almost been like Eagles tracks because they were so <laughs> just like easy listening positive vibes but with great songwriting great melodies and yeah joe's head i think is is one of those for me and one that i still come back to today i don't know if it's a positive vibe considering the last last line is now they're both dead people can be so cold when they're dead <laughs> yeah but the way he sings is quite like bittersweet you know yeah yeah <laughs> well that's yeah and he does it like he it's- does it so straight laced i mean that's yeah, it, it's it's the same thing I was saying about the Wilco, you know, about uh, Via Chicago. I dreamed about killing you again last night, and it felt all right to me. That's what I'm. That's the kind of thing that I did take out of this. It's interesting to hear someone sing about that in such a sort of straightforward way and create that character. So yeah, yeah. Well, this is my ten, Charlie. What's your score? I gave this a nine. And then Jeff. This is a, my ten as well. All right. So next song is Tranny. Somebody's And um, I'm just going to let Jeff go first. Why? Because because Charlie and my score do not agree with yours, but <laughs> oh boy. maybe you can, maybe you can, maybe you can change our mind on, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to like this one as much as I do, because I'm not sure if it's quite PC. I don't know that it's aged. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know if there's that, but to me, it's the most musically diverse and interesting song on the album in a lot of ways. There's a lot of, it a is. lot of tempo changes and, and sort of gets, gets to a jam sort of feel it starts out as this slow story and again it's the storytelling thing that i really dig uh starts out as a slow story and then it, it sort of paints this cd picture and then it gets rolling and and starts kicking into a different gear 
Uh, I don't know if I understand all of the lyrics, but it seems to portray some interesting like sexual metaphors about, you know, it's got this thing about um, the bubbas and where they hang their worms and not even sure if they know or care which fish they want it to bite tonight. It's just this weird uh, sort of metaphor with it. But it's also not surprising to me that the longest song on the album is going to end up as my favorite because that does tend to fit my MO as well. The, the more epic songs, it's either the longest or the most spiritually conflicted is usually going to end up pretty far up there for me. And uh, this, this one definitely does it. I don't know, but this song I just love. I always come back to this one. Yeah. So this is my this is my yeah, top, this is my top score. So I'm guessing you guys uh, put it low based on what you're saying. And this is my least favorite song. Is it really the least? Yeah, wow. I just I just never got into this, oh. and I don't know if it is because it's over five minutes. Because I I like a good jam just as much as you do, but um, I just never got into it. I don't know if it is the if it's the story or if it is just the overt you know, sexual innuendo and metaphors. Um, I just never connected with it. To me, what about you, Charlie? So this is a funny one because when I first listened to it, I had it quite high. And then I got to the bridge and by God, that is one of the worst bridges I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe that's the beauty of not being a musician, Charlie, is I don't get stuck on things like that. <laughs> the, the guitar solo not being in the same key as the rest of the song and just, I like the drum. Oh, it's just, yeah, I agree that it's too long and it just seems like lazy songwriting. And I think I would have given it a really high score if it had finished after the second chorus, but unfortunately... Yeah. It, it does not, um, and and for for a very long time, I I thought that the the title of the song was not uh, referring to a transistor radio. But um, when I was double checking this before coming on this podcast, and I, I was relieved to hear that uh, a tranny on ten is talking about a volume knob on a <laughs> on a radio, and that was not something I had realized until now. Oh, really? That's so. It yeah. is interesting. But I, I wonder yeah. if they're going double entendre with that. Maybe. <laughs> with these Maybe. guys, you don't know. And I I think, I and again, I'm a huge, huge Neil Young fan. And uh, I think it, it sort of fits that vibe. I feel like they're doing almost like a, a Neil Young, you know, uh, kind of story vibe. Uh, even the Tonight, Tonight, Tonight um, feels directly derivative of that. Uh, I don't I love it. I, I just, I think this one, uh, again, the length of it. For whatever reason, this is this is my favorite song. Um, it's not right. the catchiest song. Uh, the next song after this is definitely catchier and, and right up there, but this is the one that uh, I like the best. Yeah. Charlie, did I get your score? Uh, I'm not sure, but I can give it to you again. I gave it a two. Wow. And- I'm really I'm really off the uh, the reservation in terms of like uh, where I scored it, didn't I? Like, it's like all good, seriously, man. That, that bridge that knocked off at about Six or seven points, I'm telling you. Wow. I see it. And again, I'm not musically knowledgeable enough. I just listen and I just, I'm like, ah, I like, I like it or I don't. Uh, I, I, so. But that's the same for me. Like, I, it's not really the, the musicality of it. It's more that it just seems like filler and taking the place. Like, the song is nice in the context of this album because it's a bit more vulnerable and soft and 
it took it in a place where the song did not need to go with like a heavy rock breakdown. Like, I, personally, which is the Neil Young part, which is exactly why I loved it. That, right, uh, right, right. That's right. the, that's that heavy rock Neil Young kind of yeah exactly what what uh, where he would take it. Are you a Neil Young fan at all? The only Neil Young song I know is "Only Love Can Break Your Heart," and the only reason I know that song is because is I know the Saint Etienne version. The Saint Etienne, yep. yeah, the Saint yep. Etienne yep. cover yep. of that is beautiful. That is a, yep. a yep. gorgeous cover. But so uh, that 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 shows you the kind of music I listen to right now. <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, but I, Neil I Young Neil. is something I definitely need to acquaint myself with more. It's he's Very one of my good. all-time favorites. Absolutely, just love him so. But you're not going to like the bridges he puts in. I don't know if that, <laughs> no, I don't know if that's no, <laughs> no, probably not. All right, next song is California Waiting. This was the fourth single off the record. I didn't see any charting info, info on this. Um, and my first note that I've got here on my page is, oh, yeah, some cowbell. <laughs> so I'm com- completely okay with that. Even if it's just for the intro, right? Just the, what, Even the if it's beats? just, yep. <laughs> Even if it's just for the intro, Cowbell, can't go wrong. Um, there's an alternate version of, of this on the EP Holy Roller Novocaine. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, I don't like it as much. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, the one thing that uh, I, I noted is uh, they said that this particular version on this record was recorded in a rush. They didn't like the outcome. And so they actually recorded a separate version, which is, it's not as good. It's more polished. Um, You know, the indecipherable yelling that's at the end of the song. Mm. um, That's not on the, the updated version. And I like that frenetic energy. I, I, I like that crazy energy. Um, So anyways, Jeff, are you familiar with the alternate version? I'm really not. I didn't. I didn't check it out at all before this. Uh, I may have heard it at yeah. some point in the past, but I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, guys, I'm listening to it now. It is so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 produced. Yeah, it's it it sounds it but sounds different. Everything's different. Like like the guitar riffs are different. The mm-hmm. the, the main riff. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, I I just turned it on too. It's super weird. Yeah, and it's a lot slower <laughs> as well. Yes, it feels like um, it feels like a jingle for, for California. It feels like an ad for 
for coming to California. <laughs> Why you would ever slow a song down for the second version, I do not know. Nothing sounds Uh-oh. good slowed down. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have brought that up. I wonder if that's going to affect your guys' scores now on this. Well, we already no, scored mine, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're, yeah. we're writing the album version. Yeah. Uh, and I w- and I wonder how much of this. Um, so, like with the lyrics of "I'd seen you sung, but they blew it away," all wrapped up in this stupid ass game. I wonder if this has anything to do with the fact that you know they were basically asked to do a couple more songs to finish up the record. And I wonder if that's uh, that's reading into into that at all. But I don't know. What it, what is it about? So I'm just going to throw this out. So this is. This is um, this is my top score. This is my this is my favorite song on the record. Um, Why and is I that? think you guys are. I just like the energy of it. It's and and it's got cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the catchiest song on the album for sure. Yes, and this could have yes. been my top song. I, I think it's probably that I've listened to this one so many more times, uh, and it was played so much more that it slips a spot. But I do love to sing along to this one, usually with incorrect words, as I, I don't think I ever seem to remember most of them, other than California waiting, every little thing is going to be just fine. Everything else, I think I'm just mumbling. Uh, right. I don't know what California waiting is uh, either, and I, I, I wish I understood exactly what he was talking about with it, but uh, I like the idea of it, so whatever that means. I don't know most of their lyrics, so yeah. What about you, Charlie? What do you like about this song? So this is probably my second or third favorite Kings of Leon song, but definitely my most favorite on this record. And it's it's harking back to what I said before about me preferring them when they're just doing the most traditional singer-songwriter sort of music, like the most melodic, um, less blues sort of style stuff and I think I like it because the melodies are just so beautiful and it's it's just a great song in any context like if you do this on an acoustic guitar the melodies will still be just as strong or so I'm not sure you could say that for like Red Morning Light or something like that um, and it's just a real and like I don't know there's just something about it that even though it's maybe not the most <laughs> poignant song in the world, it's just uh, evocative and uh, yep. yeah, gives you that feeling. So, what was your score on this? I gave it the twelve. The whole yep. Jeff. Uh, this is my eleven. It's my second favorite song. And spoiler alert: this is our top song. Yeah, well, hey. two twelve, two twelves and eleven probably puts it there, especially when my top oh, song yeah. got a one and a two next to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next song is Spiral Suitcase. Staircase. Or su- Suitcase. Is it, oh, you're right. It's Suitcase. No, is it Suitcase? Uh, I think you've got staircase. Suitcase on the Excel spreadsheet. Oh, you know what? It's Staircase. It's staircase. Yeah. yeah, it's Staircase. <laughs> That's Sorry, really my, my, my 20-year-old puts together the, uh, the, the lyrics for me and uh does some of the production stuff for me so yeah sorry about that it's staircase <laughs> no way. 
Su- the vocals on this super reminiscent to me of early ACDC and Bon Scott because I could okay. never understand what he was saying either. Um, yeah. And I had no Gary idea what Rossi. the lyrics were until I, yes. And I, I had to pull this up on the old interweb. So I don't know. I don't even know if that's right. Um, he did say German Chinese girl, right? At some point. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Greasy haircut's a German Chinese girl. Is going to keep you all busy tugging at my curl. Uh, get your ass together. <laughs> you better walk, walk, walk. <laughs> I'm going to stop. But yeah, it's uh, this one to me. Like I'm like I get it. You you guys party. <laughs> that was very much my. At the end of the song I was like, yeah. yeah, we get it. You party. You've been you've been partying, and you know you're like you found alcohol and drugs, and it it felt a little more sort of it wasn't as clever for whatever reason to me, uh, other than the description of a German and, Chinese and, girl. <laughs> and I think that's probably be probably a big reason of why critically this stuff did not perform so well when it came out, right? Like, reviewers are probably looking at these lyrics thinking, what the, like... Right, yeah. <laughs> these guys cannot be serious. Yeah, collect, collectively, this was not one of our high scores. Um, Jeff, what was your score on Spiral? Uh, staircase this was my staircase not suitcase <laughs> staircase this was my number one this was my least favorite song yeah charlie so i gave this a number three yeah and i'm matching your three you liked it better than and... tranny <laughs> all right fair enough i mean i can't argue i, I did all right. i did and and it's probably it's probably the bon scott stuff uh i have a soft soft place in my heart for bon scott acdc so there you go I, All right. Next and the song. other thing is that it's just like it's a good tempo. I think you know it's like a sort of frenetic and fun up tempo track. I mean, yeah, it, it's fun to listen to. The chorus I, I, is what it down for me. I think the spiral staircase going down. Since you're a big sequence guy, were you okay with the sequencing from California waiting to spiral staircase? Uh, yeah, but to be honest. I think in my sequencing, I had California waiting at the start of the album and Spiral Staircase towards the end. <laughs> you know how I do it. I put the good songs first. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, next song is Molly's Chambers. Oh, yeah. was the second single off the record and again i couldn't find any chart info which usually means it didn't chart i'm surprised about that it's the shortest on the record yeah um and yeah this is laced with lots of sexual innuendo this is um i love a good pistol reference well this this kind of comes from the the irish folk song whiskey in the jar 
Um, that's where the reference to uh, Molly's Chambers comes from. Good. It refers to a brothel. Uh, okay. And and Thin Lizzy uh, did Whiskey in the Jar and had a hit with it. That was one of the bands oh, yeah. they were they were introduced to early on when they were listening to stuff as well with Thin Lizzy. So that I think that definitely played in. So Molly's Chambers is a is a brothel in particular. It sounds almost like it could be just. Hey, I'm Molly, and this is my chamber. But I think it's a, an overall brothel. <laughs> my chamber. <laughs> when I first looked at the lyrics, I was like, I, "Is she? Is that? Is it that straightforward?" But I think it's it is chambers in terms of like more of a brothel. But okay. I don't know. Okay. And the tune of this song really reminds me of something else, and I could never quite place it. Uh, it I just can't quite figure out. But there's some other song that this this really reminded me of, and I, I could never find it. I couldn't couldn't figure it out. Interesting. Do you guys listen to the alternate take, which is Molly's Hangover? No, I didn't. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Uh, what? That, <laughs> yes, there's an alternate take. Uh, the version is slower until towards the end. Um, and it also has a different style of backup vocals. So, yeah, you 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 probably are not going to want to listen to that. If you didn't like the alternate version of... Um, of California waiting, you're not going to like Molly's hangover. So I'm listening to it now. I hear acoustic guitars. Yeah. You're, you're not going to like it. Oh, it's in half time. (laughs) Okay. I wish I could figure out what song this reminds me of. Uh, All right. Well, they changed the chord progression as well. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Well, this is my 11. This is my second favorite song on the record. Jeff, what, what do you got for a score? Uh, this is my six. Uh, it just gets okay. kind of repetitive, I think, at, at one point, And I don't know, whatever reason. Okay. And then, Charlie, what's your score? I gave this a 10. And um, I was going to say, Ch- Char- Charlie's still listening to the other song. He's not paying any attention to me. No, no, no. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. And um, I think I, I gave this a 10 because... It's a great combination of just good energy, good tempo, good songwriting, good corporations and melodies. Like it's nothing extraordinary, but it's um everything that yeah. I wanted out of a Kings on Leon track at that time. And I think also it was probably the second song I'd ever heard of the band from then. I think I remember the video them playing and it's like a live or like a, a performance video or whatever and that was the first time I think I'd ever seen what they looked like. And yeah. Yeah. So that was one of my first impressions of Ben. That's probably why I read it so much. There you go. All right. Next song is Genius. Nowhere to go. 
And uh, Jeff, you didn't you didn't like this as much as Charlie and I did. I, um, I, I like it better than my score represents. I think I'm down at that yeah. point where you know I, I I think again right above this was wasted time, and I really liked wasted time. Right. Um, so I'm now at that point where my scores aren't necessarily reflective of not liking it. It's just that's how it rolls. Um, uh, I I do like this this song. I I think one thing that's interesting about this when I look at the lyrics is that it it feels like it's a complaint about fame. But it's before I would assume they were really famous, which is weird to me. That's a bizarre thing. That was my note here as well, because I said, this seems more like a lyric for your third record <laughs> when you're famous. Am I missing something in the chronology of the Kings of Leon? <laughs> yeah, and I don't get that. I, it, it's bizarre to me. Okay. I do love the guitar riffs on this, though. Yeah. And the fade out. The fade out with that cool guitar riff. I, I really, I really dig. Um, and this is one that I totally had to read the lyrics because I had no idea what he was singing. Cause I could have sworn that he was saying flapjack at one point in the chorus. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't flapjack. Just roll with it. So I, I and, and I, and I wasn't even hungry. I would, didn't even need breakfast or anything. It just sounded like flapjack. Actually Ben, a flapjack is a, uh, it's a euphemism for, and I haven't come up with anything. I, I didn't. I didn't have time to think of anything to come up with for that. So, but it probably is just like apple and cinnamon. This whole thing you can you can either make love to right. someone or make a pie. By the time you get all these ingredients uh, that they've given you <laughs> throughout this album of euphemisms and metaphors. Yeah, yeah. Um. So this this was my nine. Um. You know, again, here's the thing. Because I like the riff. Here's the thing I'll say. I wonder if, okay, this is the one where I wonder if um, Angelo Petraglia, he's, he's mm. the, 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 the song, he wrote a lot of these songs with him. Yeah. Um, and he was the producer of the album. Uh, he was a member of Face to Face. He's, he's done a lot of other producing work, but he said that he co-wrote a lot of the album with him. And I wonder if his lyrics slip in here a little bit in terms of, of that. He's helping him write an, an a song that would have to do with fame or talking about the flashbulbs and all that sort of stuff. Cause that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't uh, worth adding. I don't uh, know. No, no. Angelo's role is something that I wanted to bring up because I found that super interesting and really strange. The idea of this band who was so, um, of their own world and, able to create the image that they did i found it really jarring when i found out that oh they actually wrote a lot of this album with a producer and and a lot of these songs might not have been written by you know the band themselves 100 percent. so uh, yeah i did find that quite strange and it's something that i think um mm, yeah I, I don't know how i feel about that looking back on it now <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's as as DIY as you would like to think in terms yeah. of their lore. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think you'd like to just think of these four, three brothers and a cousin, just being like, "We're going to make a record," and they mm. learn to play their instruments, they make a record, and they write it. I do think that that his fingerprints are probably pretty heavy on this record, which is so funny. Uh, and because if they had like, been, like yeah. thinking back to when this album was made and how a band like this would have got started and like signed to a record label. It's really interesting to think about how much of the lore is accurate and whether much of it was 
fabricated or created or embellished yeah and with a well there's there's certainly a sellable package aren't they hmm. you know in terms of the the you know the whole idea of, of them rolling around the country with their you know around the south with their dad who's a preacher and their hmm. brothers and you know you mentioned hansen earlier <laughs> um that, that's probably a sellable concept and if you give that to the right people and and help have someone help them put a layer of polish on it it, it, it probably does you Ooh. know end up kind of taking away a little bit of the mystique maybe i don't know for sure but uh, it is intriguing it would be interesting to know yeah. the publishing splits between all the songwriters Ooh, yeah yeah for sure all right uh did i get scores on this no i don't think so i think i took us into a tangent sorry okay uh jeff what's your score uh this is my three but again it's kind of and a then charlie okay uh, i gave this an eight i think like you, Ben, I just really love the guitar parts. And being a young kid learning about guitar rock and learning how to play the guitar for the first time, a lot of the, what Kings, what brought me to Kings and Leon and what I loved about it were the guitar parts. So this song in particular I just thought was awesome. And I, I distinctly remember now like this song being one of the first songs of me trying to, to learn how to play on guitar. It was pretty tricky. Um, but yeah, just... There are just a few, like the, the the intro riff is like interesting as well. But the chorus chord progression is like a little bit chromatic and and unique in that way. And also just how the bass is just staying on that one note throughout the whole verse is like it's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, this is my nine. All right, so let's uh, let's move on. Dusty. Collectively, not one of our favorites. Um, so, is Dusty the name of a person, or is this a description of someone? Uh, it's definitely talking about a person. I just don't know if that's okay. their name or. It's three and I'm a half. Just asking because I'm. It's three and a half minutes of a chorus repeating is what it is. <laughs> yeah, um, it redeems itself a little bit at the end for me with the you know the thrills are cheap and love's divine harmonies and that breakdown at the very end. And there's definitely an obvious like blues influence um going on with with it but it just doesn't do much no it doesn't do anything for me um so do we even want to talk about this song (laughs) considering that all of us don't really like it that much i really like the lead guitar that comes in and out just slightly in like the first chorus and stuff and touches like that what I liked about the song it gave it sort of like a a very demo at home sort of vibe which I liked but yeah I'm I'm on the same line as you guys I'm not a huge fan of it I'm just now looking at the 
the track timing and my two least favorite songs on the record are the two longest songs on the record. Mm. Just now noticing that. Well, this so. is a long one that, like I said, it just, it just does the course for three and a half minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, 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 I, I'm not just an, uh, you know, an, a long to be long song fan, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Did I get your guys' scores? Um, I was a two on this. And then Charlie? This was my number one. Okay. All right. Next song is Holy Roller Novocaine. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't aware of this. So this was released a few months before the debut record hit. And um, it was an EP, right? Like I guess EP? it was an, it was, yeah, it was an EP. Molly's Chambers was also on that as well. Um, so interesting. I thought that was, um, cause there's a couple, was California waiting on that? I think California Waiting was on that. Yeah, because that's EP the different version. Well. That's the different version of California Waiting. Yeah, that's it. That's yep. the yeah, yeah. So th- this one we get we get to the other genre that I referenced earlier in my favorites, which is conflicted spirituality. I, I was waiting the whole <laughs> album to where they combined <laughs> the spiritual metaphors with the sexual metaphors, and here we have it like all at once. Um, I like the ideas of this one, the, you know, the religion, the religious em- uh, imagery, the conflict of the rock and roll description of it, um, the euphemisms. Uh, th- it's interesting that there's, there's the part where it talks about um, go up to the, uh, go, go up to the mountaintop. And this could be the night the moon goes red, which immediately brought to mind religious stuff, which is, I looked up some of the scriptures that go with that. And it's uh, like you've got Acts two twenty. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. And then there's a book of Revelations, chapter six, verse eleven through thirteen. And I behold when he I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. So the, the religious. Uh, iconography is definitely in this song it's that idea of if they're going up to do stuff that they shouldn't be doing i think or we're told they shouldn't be doing it could open up the the day of the lord so interesting yeah okay charlie what do you got on this ah, so this actually ties nicely back into the first question that you asked me jeff about whether i like africa by toto <laughs> this song that may be the best answer I've ever heard ever, Charlie. I just got to say that right now. That may be the best callback ever. Go ahead. So this song, I think, changes key in every pre-chorus, which to me is like what you said about driving your nails down a chalkboard before. Yeah, <laughs> when I change track listings on albums, and 
That is so painful. Oh, wow. But um, <laughs> the, the verse bass line is what I really love about this. And uh, the chorus is good too, but those pre-choruses, man, I could do without those. So, yeah. yeah. It's middle of the pack for me. There you go. What was your score? Uh, let me see. I gave it uh, a six. Yeah. All right. And Jeff? Uh, this is nine, but this this at one point was as high as my number eleven. Um, yeah, it's it's right okay. up there. I love this song. Really, really catchy to me, and and I can really dive into it. And this is my eight. And then uh, for the sake of uh, finishing this record out, so decided to also score the hidden track, which is, and I don't know if I'm even pronouncing this right, uh, Talahina Sky. Yeah, did I say yeah, it I right? Yeah, I think so because he sings it in the song. Yeah, so I'm just making sure that I'm I'm like matching Caleb's uh, <laughs> uh, inter- interpretation of that. Is so, that not a place? Um, is Tallahassee not a place in the states? It is. It's it's in uh, Oklahoma. Tallahassee. It's Oklahoma. in Oklahoma. Yeah, one of the places yeah. they lived. It's also the name of the. It's the name of the documentary about him. It's called Tallahina Sky, the story of uh, Kings of Leon. came out in like 2011. Mm. Uh, I intended to try and watch it to get ready for this, and I just didn't. I uh, didn't get it done. So I, I, I want to check that out. I watched um, it. Yeah. I know. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it not recently, but a few years ago. Yeah. And it was, it was, a, it was a long watch. Is it, is, it a, <laughs> it's, is it a hard watch? Well, I mean, yeah. It's 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 not informative on the things that I wanted to know about it, yeah. which was like what was going right. on inside the studio. It's more about their family and stuff like that. Well, which is the thing I'm more interested in, probably. Yeah. I'm more interested yeah. in that being raised one way and becoming something else. Yeah. That that evolution. So that it probably would appeal to me. Well, everybody says this place is beautiful, and you'd be so crazy to say goodbye. But everything the same. This town is beautiful. I'll be getting out as soon as I can. Two thousand eleven. There's uh, Talahina Sky. It's like it's like a single or an EP or it's I don't know what you would call it, but it's available on um, Spotify and it's got two different versions of this. Uh, the second version is an acoustic version, which is pretty cool. But then there's one. Oh no, it's not. The other one is not this. It's it's uh, it's called the Immortals and it's a Royksop mix. So oh, oh Royksop. Hmm. Yeah, Royksop does a mix of the Immortals, but the other the Talahina Sky acoustic version on that is actually pretty cool. Um, this is a, this is a better, like hidden track than most that you find. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that I immediately stuck out to me. I like that Spotify doesn't make you wait eight minutes, uh, to get to it. I, I like that they've chopped that up. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's annoying when they've, they've done that on those, when you still have to sit through eight or 11 minutes to get to it. But, uh, it's, it's cool. I think it's, um, it's kind of the most honest and personal in a lot of ways mm. of all the songs on the album. Um, it, it's, it feels a little bit more about them than almost anything else. And I think that's the thing I kind of connected to, uh, I, I kind of surprised I didn't get it even higher than I did. So there you go. All right. 
Should we get some scores and wrap this up? Yep. Charlie, what's your score? I gave this one a five. And I All I right. reckon they shouldn't have made it the hidden track. Because on my version, which I'm pretty sure I burnt from my CD copy, I have to wait like five minutes or just over four to get to it. And I didn't know the song right. existed for a very long time. And I quite like it. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Uh, this is my five as well, um, and I kind of hate hidden tracks for the reasons you just mentioned. I mean, it, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. an Easter egg, but Me I, I kind of hate them. Yeah, I was listening to a Canning Crows CD uh, this week and had to wait, I don't know how many minutes, for uh, Big Yellow Taxi. But well, you know you can't fast forward, right? Um, you know, when I'm working... Mm. So I work from home, so um, I'm not getting up to go over to my stereo to uh, to, to fast forward it. So yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I hate the number so. of times that hidden tracks have scared me after I was working <laughs> and I did. I wasn't paying attention to the song to the fact that the album ended. I was listening to, and then it just totally. evolves into chaos or loud, and you just it, it, yeah. So yeah, what was your yep. score on this one, Ben? Uh, this is my six. Yeah, it's a cool song. So, yeah. All right. Well, this is the part where I go, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I think we covered everything. I think we covered it. All right. So let's uh, let's figure out our top five out of this. So I already, I already told you California Waiting was uh, number one. Uh, any idea for number two? Not Tranny. <laughs> Not Tranny. Not Dusty. <laughs> I'm guessing, I'm going to guess Joe's Head. Or Joe's Molly Head Cameron. was number two. Okay. Yep. And, and then you just said the number three song in Molly's chamber. Okay. Uh, and then our, the rest of our top five red morning light. That's our four and Holy roller Novocaine. That rounds out our top five. Wow. That's a pretty solid top That's five though. Five. Right. I like those. I like those songs. Like, like I bet Charlie would track it similar, right. Or pretty close to similar. I'm surprised that red morning light wasn't closer to the top considering it's like the, the main track of this album right it's the one that people would know the most i think would they right? i would have always thought california waiting would be the most known that's the one i knew the most off oh, okay. of the airplay here and again that may have to do with where you grew up versus where we lived when it was you that's know your airplay being different yeah sure. california yeah. waiting got played a lot here yeah well when you're in new zealand they don't give a damn about california down there do they i mean i can't even think of a radio station that would have played kings of leon at the time when this came out yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is this has been fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for doing this with us. So, remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Yumizuma. Um, Yumizuma.com or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all of those places now. All the usuals. Yeah, Spotify, okay. Deezer, Apple Music, Amazon Music. I forget all of the musics now when people listen. I, I, Apple Music. Did I say that? Yeah. It's a yeah. crazy world out there. Or you could just come to one of our shows in 2030 when we're all allowed to play music again. <laughs> I was just going to say, I bought, I bought your album, so I'm, I'm going to bring it to a show when, when you can come back and I'll get it signed. And yeah, and uh, I look forward to actually getting a chance to see you guys live. Yeah, that would yeah be great. me too. I'm looking forward to playing yeah. live again. It's been a while. Yeah. So, so last question. So I, I lift this question from a fellow podcaster. Uh, so who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? I don't 
don't know. I don't really know anyone that famous. The person that comes to mind is, I don't know, Yumi Zuma toured with Lord a couple times. She would be an interesting choice, but, you know, she's probably a hard one to grab hold of. But, um, um, and they don't necessarily need to be quote unquote famous. They just need to be somebody that loves music yeah. and would do a deep dive like we just did. Okay. You want to ponder? I reckon Josh from Yumizuma, but you're probably having you probably have enough Yumizuma members now. <laughs> no, we'd, I'd love to have Josh on. Yeah. Let's uh, we'll 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 chat off. Yeah, he'd probably um have a, a few more electronic picks than me. He's into his his house and techno and stuff a bit more than I am. There or hip hop as well. He's, his his tastes are a lot more um, diverse than mine. <laughs> more diverse than yours yeah i mean if you look at the 27 albums i sent you right they were basically all <laughs> indie rock records from the 2000s that's true yeah that's true yeah <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. all right well let's wrap this up so as a reminder you can find all of our old episodes by going to records com. find all of our happenings on our various socials facebook page you can find us on twitter at podcast record wayne Who's not here? Wayne's the he he mans the Instagram page. Just search for Records Revisit Podcast, and of course, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google, Castbox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, etc. Did did you all right. Did you accidentally call me Wayne for a second? Is that what happened there? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. Right. So Wayne, co-host Wayne, yeah. mans the Instagram. Page. I got it. I no. got it. I just thought you were accidentally referring to me as Wayne. No, we're going to have to talk offline about that too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Please go support the arts, uh, especially in the, in these times. This is where I usually say, go to a live show, go to a live broadcast out there on the socials, Uh, support your local artists, support indie artists everywhere, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, buy a record called truth or consequences. Yeah. Uh, And, we are records revisited and we are out. 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 <laughs> I don't think we timed that very well. <laughs> we never time it well. It sounded p- beautiful. <laughs>